good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? A couple of people awake here today, a few of you. I know that time. I, I think we just need to do something to the government or something here where we just ch- get rid of this time change thing. Anybody with me on that? Like, who cares if it's lighter at night or darker? I don't care. Just keep it the same time because this jacks me up, messes me up. I had to do like extra coffee this morning. That's never a good thing for you. So, uh, Anyways, hey, my name is TJ. I'm glad that you're here. We're, we're in this series called Change for Good over the last couple of weeks. We're actually ending it here today. And so um, we're, we're glad that you're here with us. We've been we're talking about this idea that in the beginning of the year, all of us have some goals, some aspirations. A lot of us call them New Year's resolutions that we have, that we want to make some significant changes in our year. And we want it to be so much better than the other year. We don't want to just change. We want to change for good in a positive way. But we also want to change forever. It's the idea of good being that wordplay. And we've been talking about how that for a lot of us, we come and we have these ideas and we have these thoughts and whether it's we want to lose weight or we want to get our finances in order or we want to go further along in our careers or we want to fix some of our relationships. No matter what it is, typically what we do is we find somebody else that's already at the level where we want to be. We find somebody and we go, man, if I could just be like them and we start looking at their life and we start comparing their life to our life and we realize in order for us to get to that point, it is, going to change, it is going to take some significant changes in our life to do that. And we start looking at how big those changes are, and we think to ourselves, that's way too overwhelming. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that. And we've been talking about this principle over the last couple of weeks, and we've uh, put it in your notes again this week, and, and it goes like this. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. It's often the small things, it's the little things that no one sees that results in the big things that everybody wants in life. We say it like this here. It's often the small tweaks in life that will lead us to the giant peaks. And for a lot of us, we think we're going to have to make monumental changes. We're going to have to make drastic changes. But the reality is, is we're just going to have to make some little adjustments. And those little adjustments over time will take us to places where we've always wanted to be. It'll take us to the success that we're all striving to be at in life. And we've been talking about the fact that if we want to change our life, we have to recognize that there is a pattern to our life. And so in that, what are some of the areas that we're going to have to make the small tweaks? And we said there's a pattern that's going on inside of every single one of us. Whether we recognize this pattern or not, it's happening. And the pattern is, is that we have thoughts. These thoughts are coming in, and a lot of the thoughts end up being our words. And the words that we speak end up creating the actions that we take in life. And the actions that we're taking in our life are creating habits inside of us. And those habits are eventually forming and leading us to our destiny. And so if we don't like where we're going in life, then we've got to go back and backtrack through the process, through the pattern, and figure out where are we missing the mark? Where are we messing this up? And how do I make that small tweak in that area to lead us to that giant peak? And so we've been talking about all those areas. Last week, we talked about discipline. And this week, we're going to talk about something that impacts every single one of those. It impacts our thoughts. It impacts our words. It impacts our actions. And eventually, it impacts the disciplines and the destiny of our life. And we're going to be talking about the relationships that are in our life. There is a very, very true statement. We've said it here, and you've probably heard it. Um, If you want to know where you're going to be in five years, all you have to do is look at the relationships that are in your life right now. They are taking you to a place. And 
If you want that place to be good, look around and see where people are at. Because you're going to look just like them in five years based on who you hang out with. And so if, you, if you're in a very good place right now, you can probably look around and look at your relationships and you go, man, I'm succeeding in life. I'm achieving dreams and goals. Man, I'm very positive. I'm seeing good results. The people around you are probably achieving their goals. They're probably very positive in life. They're probably moving towards in the direction that they want to go. On the flip side of that, if you're struggling in your life, and you're just bumping up against a whole bunch of things in your life, the reality is that the people you're surrounding yourself with are probably in that same boat as well. And so there's a simple principle is the idea that you can look at your relationships and you're going to know exactly where you're going to go. But there's a simple principle that's there is that when God wants to bless your life, he always sends a relationship into your life. Every time God wants to do something significant in your life, I guarantee he's going to send a relationship into your life to help you do that thing. The flip side is true as well. The enemy realizes this. The devil, the devil, our adversary, recognizes this. And so every time he wants to screw up your life, he wants to mess up your life, you know what he's going to do? He's going to send a relationship into your life. Because our relationships are defining a lot of our life. In fact, I put it in your notes like this. Your potential is connected to the company you keep. That right there is an important element. Your potential in life, where you're ending up in life right now, is connected, it's intertwined, it's sewed together to the people that are surrounding you. We started this series with a verse out of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, become wise. That should be a goal for every single one of us. We should want to be wiser in our life. We should be wanting to strive for greater things, the better things of God. And how do we do that? And he says right here, by walking with the wise. He says, who you're connecting yourself to, who you're surrounding yourself with, who you're intertwined with in life is going to determine the wisdom and the steps that you're taking in life. He also says the flip side of that, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Hang out with the wrong people, hang out with the wrong crowd. It's going to mess everything up. And so what I want you to do is just take a moment here and just think about your life. Think about the last month, think about the last year, think about the last couple of years of your life. And ask yourself the question, am I moving to making wiser decisions? Am I moving towards the path that God has for my life? Am I being drawn closer to those things? Do I see progress happening or do I keep stumbling? Do I keep falling? Do I keep making poor decisions? Does it seem like my life is falling to pieces? Because the reality is, is that the answer to that is a direct result of the relationships that you're keeping in your life. And so today we're going to be studying a guy who in the very early years of his life, uh, had a huge significant call of God on his life. He knew that he was called by God. He knew that he had a part to play in what God wanted to do. He, God had gifted him in some significant areas of life. But yet because he had surrounded himself with the wrong relationships in his life, he ended up running from the call of God in his life. He ended up abandoning some of his dreams and some of his goals. He ended up denying the gifts and talents that he had naturally been equipped with. And to, and to the point where he was running around in the des desert by himself for 40 years, all because of some relational elements in his life. And today we're going to be looking at the, 
a guy named Moses. And most of you have probably heard about Moses, but I love studying people in the Bible because people in the Bible, specifically a guy like Moses, gives me hope because he's jacked up, he's messed up, he's stupid, and yet God can still use him. That gives me hope. Hopefully that gives some of y'all hope too, like there's a chance there's a chance, and that's all I need. It's like dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. Like, that's all I need from God. I just need a chance. And maybe today, all you need is a chance. And it just shows what God can do when he shows up in your life, and he brings some people into your life. And so let me set the backdrop of what's happening in Moses' life. Moses is, is being born into... Um, the time when the Israelites are in Egypt and they're enslaved. And so how they got to that point and why that's significant is because about 400 years earlier, uh, a guy named Joseph, who was an Israelite, rose up into power under Pharaoh, who is the ruler of Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh had some dreams, and Joseph was able to interpret those dreams. And he said, man, there's going to be uh, a seven years where we're just going to have tons of stuff. We're going to have tons of money, tons of food. And then we're going to have seven years of, of, of famine. Um, in our words, it would be like, it'd be seven years of our economy is just going to be crappy. And he said, during that time, we're going to store up as much as we can. And, and so d- after that, when the economy crashed all over the world, uh, because Egypt had tons of food and tons of things stored up, there was this huge transference of wealth to Egypt. And so they became the most powerful nation in the world at the time. And the Israelites are there. And because Joseph was there, he brought his brothers. And over the next 400 years, they just grow in numbers. Like they, they, they found out that how kids happen is men just really love their wives. And so they just expanded exponentially. They're, they're starting getting to the point where they're getting to outnumber uh, the Egyptians. And the pharaohs recognize this that are in power. And so they start to uh, oppress and enslave the Israelites. And they've gotten to the point where they're actually outnumbering them. And finally, uh, the current pharaoh says, hey, I'm going to kill every newborn child because we've got to put a stop to this population growth of the Israelites because if we don't watch out, they're going to take over. And so Moses is being born in this time. And we're going to actually look at this story, not in Exodus, but we're going to look at it uh, in the book of Acts. This story is actually told in the book of Acts. I saw something in here that I'd never seen before. I thought it was so amazing that I wanted to share it with you. And so in Acts chapter 7, verses 20 through 29, Stephen, who's a martyr, is uh, speaking this to the religious leaders of his day. He's probably, this is probably a really offensive conversation that's about to happen because he's about to get stoned. And I'm not talking recreationally, like stone with stones. And so Acts 7, 20 through 29, it says, at the time Moses was born, His parents cared for him at home for three months. When they had abandoned him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. That right there is a critical statement to me. I've never seen that before. It says he was both powerful in speech and action. That's something you should underline, highlight in your notes, put in your Bible. Like he was powerful in both speech and action. We're going to come back to that. One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelite would recognize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you're brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. Now what we see here in this story is that at a very young age, Moses felt 
that he had this call of God to do something significant, that he had this call of God to be a deliverer for his people. And because he had this call of God on his life, he wanted to enact on that call. But because he had the wrong relationships in his life while he was called of God to do something significant, because he had the wrong people speaking into his life, he ended up doing the right thing in the wrong manner. And because he did the right thing in the wrong manner at the wrong time with the wrong people influencing him, he ended up making a huge mess out of the situation. In fact, he made such a mess that he had to run and flee from his purpose and his destiny and abandon the call to rescue the people that he was called to rescue to because he had the wrong people speaking and leading him in his life. And I wonder how many of us have had the wrong people speaking into our lives, that we've been surrounding ourselves with the wrong relationships, and we felt a call from God. We felt like there is something significant that we are supposed to do with our life, like God is calling us to take a step out in life. But because we're surrounding ourselves with the wrong people, we go and we take a bold step for God, but we have the wrong people speaking into our life, and so we step out and we do it the wrong way. And because we don't have the success that we thought we were going to have, because people have been guiding us in the wrong direction. We abandon the call of God in our life. We abandon the gifts and talents that God has put in our life, and we just go and we run away from reality. How many of us, I mean, we do that all the time. And what happens is, is because, because we have the wrong relationships in our life, what happens is, is that it ends up kind of setting the ceiling of our potential in our life. And so we feel like, man, God wants to take us here, but our relationships are capping us right here. And every time God wants to do something significant in our life, he always sends a relationship. But for so many of us, we're surrounded by the wrong relationships, and the wrong relationships mess up what God is trying to do in our life. And so I started looking at this story and just my own life and going, what are some of the characteristics that I see of wrong relationships that mess us up? What are some of the characteristics of people who are leading and guiding us to the wrong place? And, and so I just jotted down a couple of them that, that were pretty obvious to me. The first one is, is this, is that when you're hanging out with the wrong people in life, they're always causing you to make a lot of mistakes. They're always causing you to make a lot of mistakes in life. This is what I've discovered about teenagers. No teenager wakes up one morning and just goes on his own accord without any influence. Goes, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to go find some marijuana on the side of the road. I'm going to pick it and I'm going to smoke it. No, you think about every bad decision that you have made in your life or every door that you have walked through that has been wrong. It's always been opened or introduced by somebody else. It always has. Like you didn't come up with that on your own. Somebody influenced you towards that door or influenced you to make that decision. And we don't recognize that wrong relationships are always causing us to make bad mistakes. And that's what happened in Moses' life. He didn't have the right relationships in his life. He didn't have the right people speaking into his life saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Mo, Mo, Mo. Attention right here. Listen, I know that you're called to be a deliverer. I know that you're supposed to bring these people out of this, this captivity. But killing people doesn't endear people to follow you. In fact, it kind of makes them run away from you. And so, like, maybe that's not going to be the best methodology to getting the people to follow you by killing them. Because that, that, they're, not, they're not real eager to follow. They're real terrified of you. 
Like that's what a good relationship would do. But a long relationship is going to continually tell you, man, just go, go after it. I know that every poor decision I've made has always been influenced by some bad relationship. I've had the best of intentions. I've had God intentions with a lot of those things. But I had the wrong people speaking into my life, and it caused me to do the wrong thing. And for so many of us, when we make those mistakes, what happens is our enemy, the adversary, the devil comes, and he tells us, man, you've made too many mistakes. You've made the wrong thing. There's no way you could ever overcome this. There's no way you could ever fulfill the potential that's in your life. There's no way that you could do what God's called you to do. And he tries to eliminate us from being the person that God has called us to be and define us by our past. And so we've got to recognize people, the wrong relationships always lead us to making a whole bunch of mistakes but the wrong relationships also have a tendency to constantly misjudge us. They constantly get us in this place where we're misjudged, where people don't see who God has called us to be. In fact, they see all the things that God hasn't called us to be. And they're quick in, to point those things out. And, and I think that's what, what happened to Moses. Is Moses is thinking to himself and he's going, you know what? If I go and I kill this Egyptian then everybody's going to recognize that I'm called to be the deliverer. Like, they're going to see that in me. And so Moses goes and takes that action, and he goes to his people thinking, like, they're going to recognize what God is doing in my life and what he wants to do in and through me. But instead of seeing Moses as a deliverer, they see him as a nuisance, and they see him as a murderer. They completely misjudge who he is because they only see Moses for his actions, not his intentions. And that's a principle for all of us to recognize in life is that most people are never seeing your intentions, they're seeing your actions. And while you have the greatest of intentions, they can't judge you based on something that they don't see. They can only judge you based on what is happening. And a lot of us have gotten misjudged in life and we've gotten put into a box based on what's happened in our past when God is doing a new thing. And Moses was judging himself based on his intentions. I mean, he's going, man, I'm trying to set it up so you guys see who I am and what I'm supposed to do for you, but yet you guys aren't seeing that, and you're judging me, and you're rejecting me, and it brings them to this deep place of hurt. And it always seems like when people misjudge us, that wounds us the most for some reason. Because we know what's going on inside of here, even though what they're seeing out here hasn't fully intertwined yet we get to this place where we just feel mistreated. And Moses is, is very mistreated in this story. I mean, he's, he's rejected by his people. I, I'm sure that that was devastating to him. But probably more than that, and it's, it's probably the subplot that not too many pe think, people think about, is the fact that Moses is 40 years old, and he has grown up as a, son of, a grandson of Pharaoh. His family is in authority over all of Egypt. And Moses has history with them. He has relationship with them. you got to think about this. He probably sat at his grandfather's table every night and ate dinner. He probably learned leadership principles and was schooled by his mother and his grandfather every single day of his life. He probably still lived in their home to this day. And the moment that he kills another Egyptian, they find out the first thing they do is they say, hey, go find Moses, arrest him, and kill him. And you would think that they would, have, they would have gone and said, man, that doesn't sound like Mo. Like, we know Mo. He's a good friend. He's a good kid. Like, I, let's, let's hear his heart. But they don't do that. 
And instantaneously, he is rejected and mistreated by his family. I bet you that was the deepest wound when, when his own family didn't believe in him or trust what was happening inside of his life. And I wonder how many of us have been at a crossroads in life where we needed somebody to have our back. And the people that we needed to have our back because they weren't the right relationships ended up stabbing us in the back. And we walk away and we feel rejected and disowned and mistreated. And those relational wounds, they cut so deep. And it limits our potential for God. And so here we have Moses who's running away from his potential. He's in the middle of the desert for 40 years, wandering, full of insecurity, full of distrust for people. And all of a sudden, God shows up in a burning bush that's burning but isn't burning. Don't really understand that one. And the funny thing about it is, is, I mean, just think about it. If a bush is burning, but it's not burning, and it starts talking to you, do you argue with that bush? I mean, honestly, like you're in a bad place in life when you're arguing with a shrub that's on fire that's talking to you. Like that should be like a significant moment of like, maybe I should shut up and listen for the first time. But Moses is, is arguing with God, and he's losing the argument, and his life is messed up, and it's upside down, and he's in a pretty defeated place, and he's gotten to this point where he's given up on his hopes, and he's given up on his dreams. In fact, he's denying the gifts and talents that God even gave him. The enemy has so lied to him that he doesn't even recognize who he is himself. In fact, in the, in the story, he, one of the most fascinating things is he tells the bush, I'm not a good speaker and I never have been. But yet, we just read that Moses was powerful in both speech and action. Like he had believed a lie for so long that it had become his reality. And so many of us, we've been surrounded by the wrong people for so long that they've been lying to us for so long that their lies have become our reality. And you start believing that even though God has called you, he hasn't equipped you. Even though he's given you every single thing that you need to do the job, you don't believe him, you don't trust him. And that's exactly where Moses was as he didn't believe God and he didn't trust God. And God kept saying, man, I'm gonna use you. I'm gonna use you as a deliverer. You have a great authority. And he kept arguing with God over and over again. And no matter what God said, Moses would have a, but God, I can't. And God would come back with how he could. And Moses didn't believe him until the point that God said, man, you know what? You don't believe me, I'm going to help you believe me by giving you a relationship. The significant change in Moses' life isn't because God made a promise, it's because God brought a person. God brought a person into his life. And the only reason we know his name today and we're reading scripture about him is because God brought a person into his life. And church, let me tell you something. God could be on the verge of bringing a person into your life that will absolutely transform your life. You could be one relationship away from fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God has for you if you're willing to open yourself up to the right relationships instead of running with whoever you feel like.
And some of us have got to realize that, man, God is trying to do something significant right here with relationship. And you say to yourself, man, I, don't, I understand that God did that for Moses, but he's not going to do that for me. Well, let me tell you something. He did that for me. The reason I'm here today is because a little over 10 years ago, actually it's more like 13 years ago, I was in this place where I was ready to give up on ministry. I didn't like church people. I thought they were mean, backstabbing, backbiting, nasty sinners. And they were. I hated church. Like, I, I quit my job at a church. I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with if this is what church is. And I was searching. I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to do ministry anymore. I'm, I'm going to go start a business. And, and God in that moment brought a person into my life. He brought a guy named Randy Bazette. And Randy Bazette started believing in me, started encouraging me. When I couldn't believe anything, Randy believed in me. When I couldn't trust anyone, Randy trusted me. When I couldn't see past today, he saw into tomorrow for me. He kept saying, man, TJ, I believe in you. Man, God's got something big for your life. I'm, and he kept pushing me, and he kept encouraging me, and he kept loving me when I wasn't lovable. And before long, I knew it. Seven and a half years later, he's sending Shayla and I out to move to South Florida where we know no one to fulfill God's purpose and plan for our life. And that would have never happened had God not put a relationship in my life. And let me tell you something, I'm so humbled by what God does and how God does it. I mean, in our church, in five and a half years, we've had over a thousand people give their life to Jesus. And it's all because God sent a relationship. God sent a relationship. I wonder what kind of impact your life could have if you opened yourself up to the relationships that God's trying to send your way. I wonder what God would do in your life if he could just get that relationship there. And so it's probably important that we need to know what that kind of relationship looks like. And so in Exodus chapter 4, this is where God is speaking to Moses about that. And this is what he says. Verse 14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Uh, just FYI, uh, God gets pissed at us. Just saying. Like, think about this. I, I think about this because I know he has these conversations with me. Like, when we don't listen and he's trying to tell us the truth and we just keep lying to ourselves, like, doesn't that irritate you when other people don't believe you? Don't you think God gets a little irritated with us at times? Like, God is irritated with Moses at this point, And he says, he's finally kind of like throwing his hands up. He's like, what about your brother Aaron, the Levi? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. And he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help you both speak, and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. So God says, man, I'm going to send a person to help you out, and I'm going to send an Aaron relationship to you. And I think there's some characteristics to an Aaron relationship. If we're going to have the right people in our life, these are some things that we should look for. The first one is this, is they are gifted in areas you are not. They're gifted in areas that you are not. Aaron was gifted in, in areas that Moses was not. Moses had given up on his ability to be able to speak and communicate. In fact, he had taken on a stuttering problem. And, and Aaron was a gifted communicator. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to put somebody in your life that can fill a gap in your weakness, and you can be a strength for him. And we all need some people in our life that will come into our life and be strength to us. 
We all need a person that's going to come and fill some of those gaps in our life. And God is, and this is the thing that I love about God, is that God is not just about building us as an individual. He's always been about building people. That's why he says, man, don't do life alone. That's why he sends a relationship in this instance. Because if you look all throughout the Bible, it's always about not you as an individual, but a people of, a group of people. Old Testament, he was building the nation of Israel. The New Testament, Jesus says, I will build my church. See, God isn't building you as an individual to do life by yourself. He's building an organization. He's building an entity. He's building a people, and he's calling us to be his church, which means we need to work together and and fill the gaps for one another so that we can see God do great things inside of us, so we can have those relationships. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it's not in your notes, he says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each one does its own special work. It means that each and every one of us, we have a unique gift and, and a unique call and a unique skill set that he is trying to work through and materialize in our life, which also means that we have some blind spots and some spots where we don't do very well, that he's sending other people in our life to help fill that gap. We need some people that will complement us in some areas that we're not very gifted. And what happens is it, sells, is it helps each other grow. The goal is that we're growing and we're becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. He goes on to say so that the whole body is healthy and growing and we're full of love. That's the ultimate goal is that we're all growing, that we're all developing, and that we're full of the love of God that is transcending us as individuals and moving forward as a unit, as a people group to transform our community. And the church can't be what the church is called to be unless each one of us recognizes that we are gifted and we're to use our gifts to magnify God through his body. And we're lacking if we don't play our part. And we don't recognize our part. Well, I'm not good at that, so I can't help them. No, they're not good at that, so you need to go help them. Get involved in people's lives. And here's the litmus test for an Aaron relationship for you. An Aaron relationship will complement you, not compete with you. That's important because some of y'all, you've got some relationships right now that are competing with you. They're always trying to one-up you. They're always trying to be better than you. That's not an Aaron relationship. You want people that are going to compliment you, not compete with you. Reminds me of the story of some guys that were out camping. They were, it's late at night and they were sitting in front of their, their tent and fire was going in front of them. And all of a sudden a couple bears come out on each side and they start freaking out. They're like, we have nowhere to go. There's nowhere for us to go. And and there's nowhere to run and and. One of the guys looks over at his friend, and he's bending down, and he's tying his shoes. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you tying your shoes? Like, what's the point of that? We can't outrun these bears. And he goes, I don't have to outrun the bears. I just got to outrun you. That is not the kind of relationship you want. Seriously, that's not the person you want. You want the guy that's going to go, like, hey, I got your back. Let's punch him in the face. That's who you want on your side. You want somebody who's not going to fight against you, but is going to fight with you. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A three, a cord of three strands fights like Chuck Norris. It kicks butt. So what you're looking for is some people that will fight with you. And so, man, we've got to have people who are gifted in areas that we're not. we also got to have people that are moving in the same direction. 
We're going to have some people that are moving in the same direction as us. What I love about this story is this, before Moses ever has an encounter with God in a burning bush, God has already spoken to Aaron to say, start moving that way. God is coinciding and uh, building this, this connection that's going to take place before Moses even knows he's going to need a connection in life. It's an amazing thing. And we got to recognize that, man, God is trying to intersect our lives with other people's lives to move us forward in that direction. We need to know what we need to look for in somebody that is moving in the same direction. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee from the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We need to be looking for people that are pursuing love and faith and peace, pursuing God with a, with a pure heart. People that are doing the stupid crap that we used to do, we need to kick those jokers to the curb. You know, last week we talked about this idea of running to win, running our race to win, having the discipline to run our race. And I've ran quite a few races uh, to this point. I love to compete. I'll compete in anything as long as I'm going to win. So it's not really a competition, but I, that's, I love to compete. And so, but what I found in running and what I've learned in running is, is that I have a stride. And if, if you want to make me lose a race really simply, all you have to do, and, th- and I promise this is almost true for any runner that's out there, all you have to do is they're running in stride is cut them off and make them break up their pattern, make them break up the rhythm. Because what happens in order for a runner to run at their peak, they have to stay in rhythm, they have to stay in stride. There's a, there's a certain stride, there's a certain pace, and all it takes is one person cutting them off and slowing them down, and it'll take them probably a half hour to get back to that pace. It'll, get, it'll take them a while to get back to that place where they're getting back in stride, and all of a sudden they've messed up their entire race. And in life, what happens a lot of times is we're getting relationships that are cutting us off at the knees. And we're wondering, why do I keep stumbling? Why do I keep falling? Because we're running with people that aren't running our same race. They're cutting us off. We need to get into a race, and we need to find somebody with the the same stride pattern as us, the same length as us, so that we can take steps and we can run together, so they can challenge us to go further, so they can challenge us to go faster, to complete the race that God has for our life. They've got to be moving in the same direction as us, so they can strengthen and lengthen the stride that we have and not hinder it. And finally, I think we got to have some people that are happy to be involved in our life. We have some people that are happy to be involved in our life. We have to have people that, that, that complement the gifts that we have. We have to have people that are moving in our same direction. And then we have to have some people that are happy to be involved in our life. And I've just learned that it's, life is way too short to invest our time and our effort in relationships with people who don't believe in us who don't love us, who don't encourage us. And this is going to sound so harsh, but those relationships that don't do that, I kick them to the curb in an instant. Life is too short to live with toxic toxic relationships, people that are discouraging you, people that are downgrading your gifts and your talents, people that are telling you that you're not good enough and that you can't. We don't need that. What we need is some people that will believe in us, that will encourage us, that will inspire us, that will help us take our next step. There's nothing worse than having somebody be the devil's advocate in your life. Listen, the devil doesn't need any more advocates. He's got enough already. He needs some people that will believe in us and encourage us and build us up. And if you're a devil's advocate, man, stop it. Stop being stupid. He doesn't need your help. He's got enough help. 
So how do you know if they're the right people? It's pretty simple. They're sacrificial. They're not selfish. They're sacrificial in their relationship with you, and they're not selfish. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I think about Aaron, and I think about the fact that Aaron probably had a lot of hopes. Aaron had a lot of dreams. He had a lot of aspirations for his life. There's no doubt about it. But the moment God caused Aaron's life to intersect with Moses' life, he said, man, you know what? I'm willing to put down what I want for what God wants. I'm willing to sacrifice some things in order to do a greater thing. And we've been asking you guys all throughout the series, what is the one word that God's speaking to you? What's the one statement that you need to make in your life? What is the one thought you need to have? What is the one discipline you need to make this year? And my question for you is, is what is the one relationship you need to have this year? Who is the person that you need to start surrounding yourself with that's encouraging you and believing in you and loves you even in the worst of times and is constantly challenging you to be better and do more and achieve more and go further for God than you ever have before. The person that will do anything to help you be successful in life. Who is that person for you? And, and on the flip side of that, maybe for some of you, it's not that you need to add a relationship. Maybe for some of you, it's you, you need to detract a relationship. You need to get rid of some people in your life that are, that are taking things from you rather than adding to your life. Because sometimes the greatest way to multiply your life is subtract some things from your life. I know that that doesn't make sense for you math majors, but it makes sense to me. And I really believe you're one significant relationship away from moving, not just from a small tweak, but you're, you're moving towards a giant peak that God wants to do in your life. church, let's not just come here and hear messages. Let's actually apply these messages. Let's actually apply the principles because this is what I know is that it's great that we have all this information. It's great that we know all these principles in life, but if the principles aren't applied, they don't work. I know that's hard to believe. If you don't ever plug into the source of power, it doesn't matter how much you turn on your blender, it's not going to blend. time for some of us to tap in and start applying God's word, not just being hearers of his word, but being doers of it and seeing God move in incredible ways in our life. Let's pray. God, we just come before you today and this is what I know is that there's some of us that need to add, that need to make some significant relational decisions, God, that we've been surrounding ourselves with the wrong relationships for a long time and they've been detracting us and taking us from the purpose and the plan that you have for our life. And maybe for some of you today, it's, it's not necessarily that you need to detract a relationship, it's that you need to add a relationship. And maybe for some of you, the relationship that you need is a relationship with God. Relationship with Jesus who came and he died on this earth to pay for all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your mistakes, all of your mess ups. And maybe today is the day that it's going to be that day where you're going to make that significant decision to move towards him. 
and allow him to be first and foremost in your life. That you won't just be a fan of God or a follower of God, but you'll be fully devoted to God. And it's really simple. All it starts with is a prayer. And all you have to do is pray it in your heart as I pray it out loud. And I believe that God can move in your life like never before. And it goes like this, God, I've screwed up. I've messed up. It's called sin. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. I recognize that 2,000 years ago, you died on a cross for all of that. My sin, my shame, my pain. I ask you to come into my life. Be that significant relationship in my life that I need. Take over. I don't want to surround myself with fools anymore. I want to surround myself with your wisdom. God, fill my life up with you and with people who follow and love you. God, I pray for every single one of us today, God, that this would be the year that we'd make a significant decision when it comes to our relationships. We wouldn't just tolerate people being being in our life, God, that we'd be strategic of making sure the people that are in our life are going to places that we want to go, that are following the God that we want to follow, that are becoming the people that we want to become. God, help us to be wise. Help us to be strategic. Help us to be very well thought out people in our lives, God, it's in Jesus' name that I pray.